Oh my God, we finally have something to talk about. This is this is awesome. I, yeah. Did you remember this feeling? I crave this feeling. It, 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 I feel like I've been in withdrawals since the deadline, uh, which I felt like I was going through withdrawals since whatever we call that other deadline that they imposed ahead of the lockout, which was the most frantic time of all time. Yeah. Sometimes we go into the winter meetings and we don't know what to expect, right? Like sometimes nothing happens in the beginning of the winter meetings. And then sometimes you get this and uh, holy shit, man, we're off to a hot start of the winter meetings. And usually it's a domino effect. So I think we might see some more stuff coming. We're recording at 6 p.m. on Monday. Uh, Jack Aram, just baseball show. Peter's in San Diego at the winter meeting. So we'll hear from him a little bit later on in the week, um, but not tonight. I say six o'clock for full transparency because this is our first episode of the week. We're going to talk about uh, one of the deals that went through before the winter meeting started. That was DeGrom to Texas on Friday night. But there could be deals that happened late night last night that we're not getting to. We will get to them tomorrow. I promise you that. But we're going to talk about DeGrom. We're going to talk about Verlander. We're going to talk about Trey Turner. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about the latest rumblings on Dansby Swanson and Xander Bogarts, because those are really interesting right now. And what I love is the rumblings are actually starting to like morph into something that I can get behind because you talk about the buzzwords like right now, I don't know if the buzzwords are the ones coming out. I, I think that you actually see who's interested in who and what's going on here because you've got all the insiders in mm -hmm. one place with all the executives that are making the decisions. And that is why the winter meetings are a rush. We love watching baseball, but Arm, I think you and I particularly get off in the what if stage of the season. <laughs> that's the trade deadline. And that's this time right now. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it's, it's so fun to discuss these things, but also just to kind of do the full roster breakdown, see how things, you know, fit in what it means. And, you know, we talk about the domino effect. Each one of these signings is, you know, uh, has an impact of either the team that the player signed with or the other teams that now have to pivot because they're either not getting their player back, who they just lost in free agency, or other teams that were hoping to, you know, bid for his sweepstakes, which we can talk with a few different teams of the kind of spinoff results of some of these signings. So you can talk about that. It's like, okay, this guy was at the top of our list. What do we do um, to move elsewhere, right? Where do we allocate that money that we had earmarked? I thought that was a great way that Passon put it with the DeGrom thing when he was talking about the Mets, right? Jacob DeGrom, five for 185 to Texas. He said Steve Cohen had $40 million annually earmarked for Jacob DeGrom. How do you go about it now? He blew by that number with Justin Verlander, and we'll get to Verlander a little bit later. I, I do want to start with DeGrom, but just tying a bow on that point. Yes, you talk about teams that were possibly banking on being in the Turner sweepstakes or the Verlander sweepstakes. What do they do now that that player's off the board? How about teams in like 
the Correa sweepstakes now that they see Trey Turner's getting $27 million in his age 40 season, because then there becomes this, oh shit moment where you might have to pay Carlos Correa till he's 40. And that's something that not many teams want to do, but now that they just did it with Trey Turner, they might have to. Yeah. That's where things get interesting because, you know, you could argue that, you know, Trey Turner's game may age the most poorly of of the bunch. I don't know. It, it, it's tough. I feel like it's a double-edged sword, and I don't want to get too deep into that because at the end of the day, you never know how the back end of a contract's going to go. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy who – he does things beyond – what he does with his legs. He's gotten better and better with the bat. The glove is solid, but ultimately a, a big deal of the, of the value that you get from Trey Turner is with those legs. And I don't know if we'll be burning at age 40. I think he'll still be a good player because I really believe in his game, but you know, it, it is a good question. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll start with DeGrom because that's the one where you really have to discuss it. You have to discuss the money on the back end and what the results are, because when we're talking about 2034, I don't think that the Phillies are that worried about 2033. It would be actually the, the last year of, of Trey Turner's deal because odds are most of the guys that are in the organization now might not even be there. And that's somebody else's problem. But when it comes to Jacob DeGrom, you know, this is the reason why he is a Texas Ranger is the Texas Rangers willingness to lose on the back end or at least gamble on the back end, right? With that five year deal. And look, it could work out great. He's still Jacob freaking DeGrom. But at the same time, I don't think anybody else, like everybody can acknowledge and understand how much of a gamble it is to have 37 allocated, 37 million set for Jacob DeGrom at age 39 and 38 million at age 38, because let's be honest, the guy hasn't been on the field much the last couple of years. No, he has not. And and that's a point that I want to get to when we talk about Verlander signing with the Mets here, because spoiler alert, I actually kind of like what the Mets did a bit better than what the Rangers did. Um, but you just paid the most talented player on earth and most talented pitcher on Mm -hmm. earth, right? You could argue that there are some guys that are more talented, Shohei Otani, more talented than Jacob deGrom, but you've got the most talented pitcher on earth. You, you, you look at Jacob deGrom and you can't finish the conversation without pointing to the minimal tread on his tires going into his thirties, right? This was a guy that was a shortstop at Stetson. He converted they monitored his innings well. He didn't debut in Major League Baseball until he was 26 years old. And then when he hits 30, bam, all of a sudden he has that 170 RA and he wins his Cy Young. 31, bam, wins his second Cy Young. But 2020, yes, he threw a whole year, a 2-4 ERA. 2021, 15 starts. 2022, 11 starts. The take that I have constantly spewed out on this podcast is, I don't think the human body is built to sit 102. I don't, especially if you're a 34-year-old guy. As a yeah. starter, right? You can do it in inning spurts every other day, but this guy every five days is trying to throw 100 pitches, and they're all somewhere between 93 miles an hour and 103 miles an hour. And I don't think the arm is built to do that. And, and look, we, we don't really know. And the only way that we'll really know is – through the Jacob deGrom experiment, right? And, you know, I know people can say, oh, well, Nolan Ryan threw this and this guy threw that. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm only going to speak to what we do know. And that is that we have not seen somebody throw as consistently hard as Jacob deGrom does. And yeah, when somebody comes up at age 26, like you said, and, you know, has been you know on the field pretty consistently and then has fallen off this, this cliff health-wise over the last couple of years, 
it it's one of those things where it's like, how much better is this going to get? Is he magically going to be healthy at age 34, 35? You look at a Carlos Rodon, you know, it, it's an interesting comparison, but the, at the, the difference is Rodon dealt with health issues and, and really adjusted his mechanics and did that in his late twenties. Yeah. So he, he's able to still kind of, you know, lean on that youthful exuberance and, and, and adjust his mechanics as such. Jacob DeGrom's mechanics are pretty freaking perfect, right? And um, I, I'm worried about Rodon in a separate, you know, situation as well, but at least he's 29. Um, I, I do really wonder how this is going to go. That said, there's no way that you can paint this, I think, as a negative for the Texas Rangers because it's more almost of like a tip of the cap. Like, all right, you were willing to do it. Like, sure. It's like if somebody goes all in on a, on a shitty poker hand, but yeah. they win the hand, like, all right, this obviously isn't a shitty poker hand, but you're always going to tip your cap for someone that's willing to, to push all the chips forward. And look, this could work out well, right? You're betting on one of the most talented pitchers to ever step foot on a baseball mat on a baseball field, right? That said, you're also betting on, you know, or really you have humanity working against you as well. And at the end of the day, as much as he doesn't look like a human when he's on the mound, Jacob deGrom is indeed a human being. And this is one of those things that, you know, I think what we're saying, everybody else has the same thoughts. And it's just one of those that we're going to just going to have to wait and see. So my worry here is that the Rangers just paid $185 million for a case study. I mm-hmm. don't think they did it. Um, I I also just checked because I saw Jacob deGrom went to Calvary Christian Academy, which is not the same as Calvary Christian High School in Fort Lauderdale. That no, it is not. I would have known so, that. I would have told you that one. Yes. Yeah, so Andrew DeGrom Painter, though, the next DeGrom went to Calvary Christian High School in, yes. in Fort Lauderdale. Exactly. Like tall, lanky dude with perfect mechanics. And you say, how the hell can he throw that many strikes? So I don't feel great about an $185 million case study, but this is not a case study. This is not a, a tryout and see how many starts you can get from Jacob DeGrom. What the Rangers d- just did is, is they bought a lottery ticket. Um, and, and the odds are pretty good, right? I'd say it's like a 50-50 raffle at a low A game where you're not competing against much and chances are you do walk home with the jackpot. Um, there might actually be a 50-50 chance this happens. So you might just be saying, oh, what if like you've got 38-year-old Jacob deGrom on the books? Like, man, this guy's been cooked for four years now. Uh, or you're saying this works out perfectly and this deal ends before he's Justin Verlander's age in 2022. Um, I think it's, I hope it's the latter. I think it skews more towards the latter than it does the former. I do think that DeGrom is is going to figure out a way to stay on the field. I do, but I, if he doesn't, th- this turns into one of the Strasburg. biggest what ifs and it, it turns into Strasburg and not Pat Corbin because Pat Corbin's going out there every fifth day. He just sucks. It, it turns into Strasburg. The thing with Degrom is is that you don't have like the you know thoracic outlet. You don't have like those those catastrophic injuries, it's like nagging back stuff. It's like yeah. nagging little things that makes it seem like you know what what you were talking about with with just what can the human body handle. I can promise Jacob Degrom is working with the smartest of the smartest of the smartest people, and the Texas Rangers are putting everything into their investment. And I'd bet that the Texas Rangers did some sort of vetting and came away with at least enough confidence to say that this is worth a roll of the dice. I'm not saying that he's still doing it. 
but might I point to the the news that was out there in like 2018, 2019? Have you heard about like Jacob deGrom's nutrition and exercise habits? No. He apparently eats like shit, like nothing but fast food. And he doesn't work out hard to the point where like his teammates are like, dude, like you don't get after it in the way. There's no way. There, there's no way he he can do that. And like, that's, that's the case anymore. Right. Well, right. What was I was that thinking story? like, okay, 30 year old DeGrom can do that. But 34 coming off of all these injuries, like, I don't think you can rip the McDonald's drive through or the Arby's in, in Baltimore when you're there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's different. And and I think that's something that he's definitely learning, right? I mean, at this point, I think he's very, very much going to adjust whatever he needs to adjust in his training regimen to to get right and be healthy. And I think getting out of New York, right? Like just getting a new set of eyes on him, a, a new program and uh, being surrounded by by new pitching talent, evaluate, and like just, just new yeah. people that can watch what he's doing and and new philosophy because let's be real like all teams struggle with with keeping their pitchers on the field but you know through that you look at that Jacob Degrom rotation that that picture that we saw of Noah Syndergaard of Matt Harvey Zach of Wheeler Matts of Jacob Degrom there's a commonality across all of those guys and and you know you kind of kind of notice that as as it is so I'm I'm, I'm th- I think there was a level of Jacob Degrom wanting to go somewhere else and operate you know in a new environment and you know I wonder if that's going to help him I think he's better off and ultimately if Jacob Degrom is 2019 Degrom which is a 240 RA leads the league in strikeouts and let's say he throws less innings you can throw 175 manage him you know and I think they're going to do that uh, this is still worth it for them for so many reasons I mean you get the best pitcher in baseball. Um, you you continue to show your fans that you want to win, uh, which they are they are doing everything in their power. But it also shows you, you know, with the Texas Rangers, I love what they're doing. I love what they're building farm system wise. I really do. Uh, they have a lot of of reinforcements coming up. They're building a good farm system. I love what Chris Young is doing, their general manager. But it shows you how hard it is to build through free agency. I, and I, I tweeted this, but they spent seven hundred million dollars. And they still have gaping holes. Like, I think they can yeah. fill them. I think they can fill them. Like, don't get me wrong. I think they're they're tre- trending in the right direction. But now your window, like you're looking shorter now. I mean, Semyon's on the other side of thirty. Seager is is fine. He's gonna be good for a while. To Grom, you're hoping you know this, these next couple of years are gonna be the peak. So their window is like kind of like this to to go for it. And it's interesting because the rest of the team I think is gonna kind of start to get there and develop. As Degrom's on the back end of his contract, so they're in that weird in between spot with the Degrom deal, and that's why I'm very interested to see how they interested to see how they manage that. Right, so he's going to be a, a late 34, an old 34 on opening day, and he'll be the opening day starter. My my question is, how old is Jacob Degrom when Jack Leiter is ready to be a force in the in the Rangers rotation? How old is Jacob Degrom when? Kumar Rocker is ready to be a force in the Rangers rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that. A, a DeGrom contract and Brock Porter line up at all. No, like, I, no. I don't think you're looking at, oh, DeGrom and Porter in the same rotation is going to be great. Yeah, that's not what you just paid for. I think you just paid for asses and seats for the next yeah. five years and hoping that Leiter and Rocker and John Gray and somebody else is good enough for you. Um, Owen White. A bunch of games and, Owen yeah. White. Watch Owen, Owen White. White. How about um, uh, Cole Wynn? He was bad last year. He could bounce back. Yeah. You like Owen White more. But I love it. I mean, I I love it from the perspective of, you know, a team that is not great got him. And, you know, they're going to be better. And I love what Texas is doing. You know, obviously it's not the way I would spend $700 million. But 
anytime a team spends a lot of money that, you know, was in that rebuild or, you know, was just in that mode where their team wasn't that good, I'm here for it. Right. So I'm never going to be upset about this, but ultimately nobody was beating this offer. Nobody was giving DeGrom $37 million in 2027. Um, I, you were, no, can I just say in a state with no state income tax in Texas? Yeah. He's going to make a lot more money, man. He's going to make a lot lot more money. So good on DeGrom, get your bag. Rangers are rolling the dice, but guess what? If things go like there is a chance that this goes swimmingly and all of a sudden they are a force, right? In the next two years. And I think, you know, Josh Young coming up, they've got Justin Foskey, who I think is one of the more underrated offensive prospects, you know, Ezekiel Duran, Josh H. Smith, like they've got uh, Aaron Zavala. And that's just to name a few, like they've got more guys coming up. They've got trade chips. They're going to mix and match. Like they're they're not done. They're far from done. I think they're going to go trade for another vet bat. They're going to do some other things. And now you've got that anchor in your rotation and you've got other pieces coming up. They could theoretically put it all together in the next two years. And if you have Jacob DeGrom leading your rotation, you're in a pretty good spot. It's a roll of the dice. And look, it's not my money. And clearly Texas isn't that worried about the money. They're drawing great crowds. They're making good money. Um, This was worth it for them. And I don't know if there was another franchise in baseball that could justify this cost more than the Texas Rangers at this point at where they're at in their franchise. And that's fine. So um, I support the Texas Rangers move, but I also acknowledge that nobody else should do this. And (laughs) that's why nobody else did. And that's why Jacob deGrom was one of the first names off the board because nobody else was matching this. Correct. He probably came to every other team and was like, I have this offer. And they're like, oh, all right. His agent was probably like, don't even bother. Like, just take it and like, let's let's, let's call it an offseason, man. Yeah, seriously, man. Um, Yeah, and one last thing on deGrom. Like, I also... Um, see where Chris Young is coming from here. Because if your ownership says to you, we've got the money, like you can pay DeGrom if you want, you're not going to fucking pay DeGrom? I mean, yeah, what you have to. You have a chance to get talented. one of the best pitchers of all time. All like, time, all time. When he's it. on the field. Um, it, Transitioning from DeGrom to the Verlander deal. I saw a lot of Mets fans that were um whining and saying, DeGrom never wanted to be here. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that he saw this bag in a state with no state income tax and a, and a chance to get paid unlike any other pitcher at 34 years old that we've ever seen for that long of a time. Now, the contingency plan is fucking awesome. And I think that the Mets came out on top two years, $86 million for Justin Verlander with what, a mutual option for a third? Yes, it's it's a vested option. So if he throws 140 innings in 2024, he gets 35. He gets in, 35 million dollars. 42 which, years old. If Justin Verlander is throwing 140 innings, he's worth 35 million at age 42. I don't care. I don't yes, care. Um, and you. I know he's not. You know, I, I look at Roger Clemens and what he did at age 42. I know Clemens was allegedly juicing. I don't know if he still was at that point. I, I don't care. I, there's the generational talents that have proven that they can stay healthy. They usually do into their 40s. Like those guys are just built different, right? We talk about DeGrom. He's obviously not one of those guys in terms of like being able to pitch into his 40s. But uh, I think Verlander is. And I think just seeing what he did coming off of that Tommy John surgery was very clear. I ask you this question. I think this is what, what it really boils down to. And I know there's a sentimental hit that comes from losing Jacob DeGrom. I'm well aware of that. Um, and, and I would say, you know, a healthy DeGrom is obviously Still better than Justin Verlander somehow, which is crazy to say, I think. Yeah. Uh, pr- probably better. Uh, although what, what Verlander did this year was pretty absurd. Yeah. If I told you, hey, 
you got to bet your life on this, or let's say $40 million on this. If you had it, now, who's throwing more innings over the next two seasons, Jacob deGrom or Justin Verlander, there's where are you putting a, your money? There's zero question. Like I'm shoving all that money in the Justin Verlander camp. That's the thing. That's, and that's what every, that's what everybody would say, right? That's what everybody would agree upon. And um, not only that you're, so you're, you're getting more likely a safer and better ROI on the next two years. You're also saving yourself liability on the back three years, right? You have an option that protects you in the third year of the deal, and then you don't have to worry about four and five. So you're you're safer on the back end, and you're safer on the front end. And oh yeah, you're getting a Hall of Famer anyways, who, by the way, if the Mets had Justin Verlander last year, we're probably talking about a different World Series potentially. We're talking about a different division. We're talking about a, a totally different situation. And that's not to knock DeGrom, but the best ability is availability, no matter how good you are. So when we're all in the same boat here that you know, you'd rather have that money invested in someone that's going to be on the field, the only possible rebuttal that a Mets fan can give is, oh, well, Steve Cohen is rich. Why doesn't he just pay everybody and, and just do it? Which I don't want to hear that because at the end of the day, even though Steve Cohen is the richest owner and you know has this boundless amount of money, he's not where he is because he made bad investments. And I would say, you know, depending on on who you are, and if you have this option and Justin Verlander and Degrom at that contract, which obviously they didn't match, it's objectively a fact that I think Justin Verlander is the better investment, and you can't fault an owner. For making the better investment while still investing to win, right? It wasn't like see you, Degrom. We're gonna go bring back Taiwan Walker. It was sorry, Degrom. This isn't gonna work, but we're gonna relocate that money, reallocate that money to another Hall of Famer who is more likely to be available and gives us some more safety on the back end. It's impossible yep. not to like it for the Mets. And think about when the window is going to close for the New York Mets, right? Brandon Nimmo is in free agency, but you you look at the other big boppers. Lindor signed long-term. He's no issue here. Um, but Pete Alonso, final year of arbitration is 2024. So he's off the books in 25. And that's Jeff when they're going to want to pay him. Right? Jeff McNeil, final year of arbitration is 24. He's off the books in 25. Like, there's a lot of scenarios like this. And think about Max Scherzer, man. I mean, he's done after 24. He's off the books in 25. So here you go with a vesting option on Verlander for 25. So it either clicks really well in 23 and 24, and you re-up with Verlander. You re-up on a one-year-by-one-year basis with Scherzer. You sign Pete Alonso to massive money. You give McNeil an extension, and you keep the good vibes rolling. Or you've got closure after the 2024 season and you blow it the hell up. And that DeGrom deal, how DeGrom just got paid, was not conducive to that situation for the New York Mets. What the New York Mets wanted to do was win as many games as humanly possible in 23 and 24, try and win a World Series in the next two years, and address it in 25. Edwin Diaz, player option in 26, Starling Marte, not getting any younger. 
you know, that's a guy that by then is going to be 36, 37. Um, I don't know how much, you know, how many, how many more years of control he has off the top of my head. Uh, he's, uh, he's got 21 million and 25, and then he's off the books in 26. Yeah. So it's very obvious that their window is next two years and you know, you're going to sign yourself up on the back end with DeGrom where, you know, it's an uncertain future at that point. So they push all the chips forward. They give themselves the best bet in the next two years, I think with Verlander and everything else that they have going on here. So I love the move. Um, if you lose a Hall of Famer, add a Hall of Famer who's been more available. Like it's pretty awesome. I think Verlander is going to be a great fit in New York. Verlander and Scherzer in the final phase of their career is really awesome. Really, really awesome. Um, it reminds me of some of you know the the old Braves rotations that we saw. Maybe depending on who the third piece is going to be, but mm-hmm. I don't know who the Tom Glavin is going to be of this bunch. They clearly don't have it yet. Uh, but. I mean, just having these two guys at the top, it was, I mean, you look at what Max Scherzer did last year. I know he battled some injuries. It was more like, you know, muscular, oblique, abdominal stuff, not arm related as much. Um, You manage their innings enough in the regular season. I mean, these are two still of the best pitchers in baseball. Scherzer was one of the best pitchers. He had one of the best seasons he's ever had last year, which is crazy to say. It's hard to say that the Mets aren't better. Because you also know that this means that they're going to probably be comfortable giving out a long-term deal because you just highlighted all of the all of the financial flexibility they have. You imagine they're going to pay Pete Alonso. I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure Pete Alonso isn't playing anywhere other than New York, uh, other than Queens, you know, for the duration of his baseball career. Uh, and same with McNeil. I think they're going to try to retain both those guys. But it's a lot easier to retain both those guys when you don't have a, you know, 30 something million dollar deal committed annually to a guy that might not be available for you. And even if he is, you don't know what he's going to look like then. So it allows the Mets to be free in 2024, 2020 or 2025, which is important because they're going to look totally different in 2025. I can tell you that there'll be a few familiar faces, but it's going to be a totally different ball club. And I think they want to have that flexibility for the most part, other than the Lindors and, you know, whoever else they might give a long-term deal to. Uh, But if they, I tweeted this too, I'm curious what you think. If they commit this money to Nimmo and Verlander, you know, are you, are you really that upset about DeGrom? Like, would you rather have Jacob DeGrom or Brandon Nimmo and Justin Verlander? Like it's, no, I, I would rather have Nimmo and Verlander. Absolutely. I In a vacuum, I do think I would rather have Verlander than DeGrom for the next two years, next yeah. three years. So yeah. that's my thought here. Last thing on the Mets, they're already pretty much at the luxury tax threshold, and they have yet to agree to any arbitration deals. They have yet to re-up on the pre-arb guys. Like They have $223 million committed to the guys that are signed to contracts right now. So Steve Cohen's going to give Major League Baseball – a massive sum of money at the end of this year. I promise yeah, you that. Exactly. So that's even more so. Like, how much more do you want him to spend? I don't know. I've got no idea. Um, how about this from Philly Nation? And and we're gonna talk about Trey Turner, 11 years, 300 million dollars here. Um, this from Philly Nation, the Phillies 2022 opening day middle infield AAV. Gene Segura at 14.9, Didi Gregorius at 15.3. <laughs> That totals $30.2 million. The Phillies 2023 opening day middle infield average annual value. Bryson Stott, $700,000. Trey Turner, $27 million. Total 27.7. They are about $2.5 million under the tandem of Segura and Didi to start this past season. This deal fired me up in a way that like I haven't gotten fired up about a deal recently. I, I mean... 
yeah, it's going to sting paying a 39, 40-year-old Trey Turner $27 million. But frankly, I don't care because you're paying him for the next seven years, six or seven. So you'll eat eight, nine, 10, and 11, I do think, if you're the Phillies. And and like, let's be real, $27 million in 2033 is- is, That might be equivalent to like $5. And just baseball contracts, the way that it's going, right? Like right. it's going to, it's going to be equivalent to like 18, let's say, or, or 20 at the most for, for a, a, a veteran who I really like Trey Turner. If he continues to do what he does, like he could be on a hall of fame track. He's a little old. So he's going to keep playing at a really high level for the next six, seven years. Yeah. But there's a legit chance that this guy, like if you're asking me who are the active guys who have a shot, he he's probably like the sixth or seventh name I, I I list, maybe, maybe even earlier than that. So, you know, this, this is a guy that even at the back end of his career, yes, I'm worried, you know, he might not be as dynamic as he, as he once was, but he can hit, he can flat out hit. And if he's, you know, move him to second base or whatever, like it will be just fine. Um, But what you're getting for the next, however many years of his prime is going to be worth it, right? This is a team that comes up just short in the world series. And what do they do? They just go out and get, one of the best players on the market. And I mean, it, it's hard not to like that. You look at what they have with Bryce Harper. Yeah. That's a deal that goes into 2031. It's a great contract now. So, you know, people were wondering if that Harper contract was good. Look how that's aged. You never know then how the contract could age with Trey Turner. And what's crazy is Harper's deal gets cheaper as the years go on. Right? It, it, it goes down to 23 million in 2029, 2030 and 2031 each year. Um, where does this put the Phillies in our way too early? Other teams are going to make moves, obviously, but like they just finished runner up. Obviously, the Astros add Jose Abreu. We've talked about that, but yeah. to me, it, it puts the Phillies right back up there at number two. And you got to say, like, you got to beat them. They're they're the favorites, I think, out of the, the National League. I'm just a believer. You got to beat them. I know there's going to be better teams, quote unquote, probably whatever it is, but especially adding Trey Turner now, like to me, they're the team to beat. Yeah, I, in the, in I the mean, National I think- League. I think this is the best lineup of the National League. I do. I and better I think than the Dodgers. I do think so. Now well, that they're the going to make more moves, gonna... and that's why it's hard. But I mean, like, even with moves, like, how can you get much better than this lineup? I don't think you can get much better than this lineup. And you know, you you just peek at it. Like, you've got probably the best catcher in baseball in JT Realmuto, right? At first, is going to be Reese Definitely. Hoskins, who we know mashes. Bryson Stott in his first full season of Major League Baseball, pretty much. Uh, we are very high on him. Trey Turner at short, guys won a batting title before he's a lifetime 300 hitter. At third, Alec Bohm figured something out. He's a fan favorite in Philly. We really like Alec Bohm. We think he turned a corner. And then the outfield, left to right as it stands right now, is what? Uh, I mean, Schwarber's going to DH. So you've got somebody in left, Brandon Marsh in center, Castellanos in right with Schwarber DHing, and Harper set to come back midway through. So you move Castellanos to left. And you've got Harper and Wright, and you've got Schwarber DHing still. I mean, it, it's hard to put together a better lineup than this. I mean, the Dodgers come close, the Braves come close, but I think that's it. Yeah. And now that the pressure's on them, they're, they're going to make some moves. I mean, they're going to, they probably were anyways, but they're going to make some moves. And I, when, when your biggest liability is Nick Castellanos, who can't be worse next year. Like, he can't be worse. So, yeah, I mean, that's your biggest liability. You're in pretty good shape offensively. And then how about the pitching side, right? They bring back Wheeler. They bring back Nola. And I think Andrew Painter is going to get a shot next year. I, who's I think so. 
I I think you can legitimately make the case that Andrew Painter is the best pitching prospect in baseball. The more I like looking at it, I think there's there's three guys that have that claim. It's Grayson Rodriguez, it's Yuri Perez, it's Andrew Painter. And I the more I look at it, the more I think you can justify any of the three because they all have different things going for them. What's crazy about Painter is I think he could be up pretty early next year. And that's a guy that I think translates immediately. He's one of those rare breed types that will translate immediately. I think what we saw from, you know, what we saw from Ranger Suarez really sold me on, you know, him being good, you know, for a long time. So their rotation is is gonna come together too. Like this is going to be a really good team. And it seems like they figured it out in the bullpen. Sure, in 2030, whatever, Trey Turner might be a little too expensive. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, it's not like five years from now, right? It, it's it's so far down the line. I'm not worried about it. Phillies fans shouldn't be worried about it. And Dave Dombrowski knows he'll be in a retirement home at that point. So he's not worried about it either. Uh, yes, correct. What I would like to see is Philly go and get one more starter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that quells a lot of my concerns because I really enjoy – Wheeler, Nola, Suarez at the top. If you've got a postseason rotation, and I'm not saying like expensive starter, if you've got a postseason rotation of Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Painter, I think you're set up for extreme success immediately. Painter mm-hmm. feels like George Kirby, does he not? Like better with better he's, stuff. He's better than George yeah. Kirby, but I feel like his reliability, he's a strike thrower that throws gas and everything's tight. And he knows where everything's going at this point. And that's exactly with Kirby. That was his deal. And with Seattle, like they were very comfortable running George Kirby out there in the postseason. I think you're going to see that with Painter. Now, I would like an upgraded Noah Syndergaard where he could be in the pen for long relief. He could start a game in a pinch or if a guy goes down, I would like somebody reliable for them. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is, but I want to see a minor name that piques your interest a little bit in the starting rotation for Philly. So lesser than Jamison Tyone. It's like lesser. How about a Cueto? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's fine. I I think Johnny Cueto in Philly, like that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, Or that was one of the rumors, though. One of the rumors that that came out, and this is like these are ones that I add more validity to, like you mentioned. uh, the Phillies earlier today, you know, among the teams pursuing Jamison Tyone, Mets, Phillies, Cubs, Orioles. I think ultimately the Orioles will pay the most. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But, you know, obviously that's even even more high end option than than what you said. Uh, and if they get if they get Tyone, man, I mean, I think I'm all in on the Phillies, which is which is really funny. Um, but I mean. I think they could do something like that. So you got to be feeling good if you're a Phillies fan. I know you got the World Series hangover a little bit. It's disappointing, although it was a net win in a year where they, I think, accomplished more than what anybody could have thought. And then they go out and get Trey Turner. Like, you've got to be over the freaking moon if you're a Phillies fan. Yeah, I think so, too. Real quick, rapid fire, then we'll end the pod. Bogarts and Dansby Swanson, the, the latest things on them. Dansby... Cubs and Cardinals kind of feel like the front runner here. And Atlanta is like slowly shifting out of the picture on Dansby Swanson, which is really weird. I love the Cardinal fit. Now that Turner's off the board, I kind of love the Cardinal fit for Dansby Swanson. So do, do you really feel like the the Trey Turner signing doesn't add any more pressure to the Braves to add or to, to at least retain Dansby it Swanson? It should. 
it should. I just, I feel like it would have been done by now. Right. And that's just so shocking to me. Like, I, I understand that they're probably not going to get the best return on investment because they're buying high. That's usually what happens in a free agent year. Yeah. But man, like Vaughn Grissom, say who you're going to throw it short? Like, that's a big leap of faith, man. Like he's good, but he's not Dansby Swanson good for a and team we don't even know if he, if he series. I don't even know if he can play big league shortstop for one sixty two. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure. Um, sorry, what was the initial question though? Um, what do you think about the the Dansby Swanson like Cubs Cardinals thing? I would love him and both of those teams. Yeah, I think you know. I think the Cubs should go for for Correa. If you're going to spend it short, just spend all the way. But for the Cardinals, Swanson's a perfect fit, right? The Cardinals don't seem to be the team that goes for that $300 million player. Swanson is 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 a step below that, right? He's going to be a little bit cheaper. And ultimately, he's exactly what the Cardinals need, right? I mean, like we we're trying to talk ourselves into Paul DeYoung, like, oh, he's a good defender. If he can just hit like almost enough. It'll be fine because the rest of the lineup is great and the defense around him is, is elite. You put Dansby Swanson in that in that you know defensive alignment there, arguably one of the best middle infields in baseball with Edmund and him, and then also you have Nolan Arenado at third and Goldschmidt at first. Like that is one of the best defensive infields we've ever seen, and then the Never. outfield is phenomenal as well. Uh, they got to figure out who's catching for them. I'm not worried about that. It's actually not the worst catching market ever, and whoever they plug in will be better than what Yachty was last year on the field. Obviously, there's more intangibles that we can get into, but realistically, from the output that they'll get, it'll be an upgrade. I love, love, love Dansby in St. Louis. I think the fans will embrace him. I think he's a perfect fit, and I that, I think that is the the best possible fit. And it, it just seems to make way more sense. I don't see them spending that big on Correa. I, I think Dansby is the perfect match. I saw some Chicago reports of um, people that are pretty well connected in the Cubs area um, that the Cardinals were really interested in Wilson Contreras. So if if it was Swanson and Contreras joining St. Louis, I think that becomes one of the front runners in the National League. So that that's one of those. Who would you rather goals. have if it was one or the other? I think for them, Wilson Contreras. I agree because I. I worry about Ivan Herrera because we've got no idea what you're He's getting. one of my toughest reads, man. I mean, he hits the crap out of the ball, but also rolls over, pulls it, like has some defensive qual- like there's just a lot of unknown. If if he was if he was ready, he would have been up. And if he was ready, if they were convicted in him, we wouldn't hear them being, you know, they'd be looking more at the second tier market, right? They'd be looking at Omar Narvaez. They'd be looking right. at those guys if they thought Ivan Herrera was the future. So I think that kind of tells you what that is there. And I agree. I, I think Contreras is the better option for them. Um, but I don't think you could be upset either way. Real quick, Xander Bogarts, um, again, much like Xander or much like Dansby, seems less and less likely that he's going to be a Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Cubs have emerged in the last couple of days, the things that I have been pounding the pavement for for a while. I hate it for them. <laughs> I like it for them. Uh, and then the Diamondbacks also emerging, according to John Morosi. If Xander Bogarts is slapping on a Diamondbacks uniform. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Like, we were talking about 2K teams. The Arizona Diamondbacks are a 2K team next year if Xander Bogarts is on that team. If they get Xander Bogarts, I'm, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah. And I, like the, the way I almost was a Rockies fan, I'll be all in on the Diamondbacks. Like, uh, 
I, I, that, that is the most fun team out there. I think if they, if they get Xander, obviously, you know, more than likely he's going to go somewhere else. The reason why I don't like Xander to the Cubs is you're going to move off a superior defender from short to second. I know Xander had a good defensive season and that's something to monitor, but like Horner's a superior defender there. That's why I think Correa is the perfect fit. Um, I just think it's funny that like the Red Sox are trying to get better and in the process of doing that are going to lose their second best player and arguably their you know most productive player over the last few years. And how do the Red Sox, like, you won't make that player. up. You're not making that up. If you lose Xander, no. like there's no way that you can improve this off season. In my opinion, what do you think of that? No, I, I I'm with you. I think this is already kind of a failed mission for Boston because it seems like the chances of Xander walking are closer to 99-1 than they are 50-50. Um, Where don't, do they pivot? I don't know. And and to that, I say, okay, you've, you've got no plan. You're letting Xander walk. You just pissed off Rafi Devers so badly. Why would he want to stay in Boston if Xander is not there and they haven't shown this financial commitment to winning with the guys that have come up with them? So that's my big issue here. Like, I have no idea where Boston's going as a contingency plan, and I worry for the long-term outlook of Rafi Devers in that regard. Well, I can tell you what, if they did trade him, it'd be one of the biggest. It'd be it'd be a Soto-level haul they, they with the years can't. of control. They won't. They won't. They won't. But we said that about Soto. Like, they won't. <laughs> and then Soto got traded. But here's the thing with the Red Sox too, man. Like they trade Mookie with no leverage because he's an expiring contract at that point, get little in return. Now Xander might walk through free agency. They're going to get a pick in return. And then, you know, we'll see what they do with Rafi. Like they're losing some of the best talent in baseball and recouping next to nothing for it, right? Like you're going to lose Xander and Mookie and your recoup is going to be Alex Verdugo Connor Wong, Jeter Downs in some pit in a pick. Like that's what you're gonna get back now. Like to, it, it, it's it's really tough. Like that's it, just not what you would expect from the Red Sox, right? Like, especially when you're seeing what the Yankees are doing, what the Orioles are building, what the Blue Jays are doing. Um it's it's weird. It, it's not the red it's not a Red Sox team I'm used to seeing. Right. This is not the Red Sox team that we grew up watching. This is not the Red Sox organization that we grew and up watching. It doesn't watching. mean pay everybody. It, it just 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 paid the, the right guys. They yeah, exactly. Like they were, I'm not gonna say frugal, but they were perfect with Theo and with Terry Francona, and they made shit work. And then Farrell took them worse to first. Because they allocated funds everywhere appropriately and they aced like maybe the most mutually beneficial trade ever. The one that brought Adrian Gonzalez and, and Johnny Gomes over from the Dodgers. You remember that big swap? Carl Crawford. Back? I thought the Dodgers bailed him out, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And and here we are, like you've got this mutually beneficial deal. Like that's what the Red Sox did. And now it feels like the Red Sox are operating like they're cash strapped, <laughs> which they should never do. Never, never. So. And I'm really, really fascinated to see what they do. That's one of my favorite teams to monitor this offseason. I'll tell you that. But I think we're in for a good winter meetings, man. I think so, too. Um, have fun at a hockey game, draining your battery, up, updating Twitter.
oh, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be on Twitter 90% of that hockey game. Yeah. I can't wait for your friends to be like, Arm, live in the fucking moment, you asshole. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say winter meetings are way more interesting than. Aren't you going with like baseball dudes too? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep them updated. Going with a couple, a couple, a couple friends who are in town after the season. So like, I, I think they'll they'll just want me to keep them updated while the puck flies around and you don't know it's a goal until you hear the train horn. If you need a train horn and a light to notify the fans that there's a goal, it's probably too hard to understand that there's a goal. Hey, if you're learning anything on your weekday mornings, it's that sometimes you need VAR to know if it's a goal or not. Oh, God, don't get me started. (laughs) All right. Um, I have no idea which two of us are going to be with you tomorrow, but chances are we're talking about more free agent deals. God bless the winter meetings. Every link you need is in the episode description, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.